Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, we're going to be covering how to find what a property is zoned for in the city's website. We're also going to cover some tips on working with the city to get your project approved and also discuss how to go about rezoning a parcel. We're going to be chatting with Scott Crone. He is the principal at Coda Design and Build and also Coda Management Group. He is a developer and has a firm that also specializes in managing real estate assets. And because this is an interactive conversation, he will be using the city's website. We are posting the video interview on this on YouTube and the link will be under show notes. Please ignore the huge Barbie doll mention behind me. I was at my sister's house for Thanksgiving and uh, that thing was just taking over my entire office, aka the kids' playroom. Here we go. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. You are such an amazing soul, and I'm very excited that you said yes to sharing your knowledge with us today uh, regarding entitlements. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. I've been looking forward to this. I've been in architecture and, and development and design build since I got my master's degree back in 1994, but it really began in 91 because I had a professor who was an architect, developer, and contracting. And so my background with him was with multifamily. And that's how my real estate career began is working on his actual projects while in school. And so it was a great educational process for me because I got to work on real life projects. And so I worked for him for six years. And then when I was the ripe old age of 28, decided to go out on my own and, and start Coda Design Build, and it's progressed into Coda Management Group, and then we've developed it into one-stop self-storage as well. So that's a 30-year process into about three minutes. <laughs> <seconds>. that's, <laughs> that's good. Very cool. So, uh, And what does Coda do itself? Well, Coda Design Build, we're, we're developers. We're a design build firm. And then Coda Management Group is we oversee our, our assets of self-storage facilities. And then one-stop self-storage is the platform which our customers interact with. So when you go to into one of our stores, it's one-stop self-storage. Very cool. And um, we were chatting about entitlements the other day, and you ended up sending me a really, really good presentation that you had done before. And I thought it would be a really great idea to share that example with us. So we're going to do not only sharing the screen, but also for the people that are just listening on the podcast, we'll try to talk about where we're clicking within the CD website. But let's go over an entitlement example if, if you can, and um, we'll, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. So in, in the process, if when someone brings us a property, you know, the first thing that we do when we're determining if we're going to move forward with it is we look at what are the entitlements. And entitlements are a fancy word of saying, what is the zoning? What is allowed? What are you entitled to do on a property? And so, you know, a lot of people 
think that they have to go to someone in the city and get this information when in reality it's already out there in public form and in public knowledge. So we as developers, we will always go and look to what it is and then we will, you know, trust but verify. So we will then go back to the city planners and say, this is what we saw. You know, we want to make sure it's an alignment, you know, that we're in agreement. So it's our way of trusting and verifying with the city official. Where we begin, and we'll jump into it here. So I picked um, this one location that we recently worked on. So this is the city of Dayton website. And I picked this one because there's a lot of different things here. So typically there's tabs here called residents, businesses, and government. Typically we go to government because that's where the different departments are broken down. So here you see planning, neighborhood, and development. Then there's public works. And then there's community, communications, community development, boards, commissions, and committees. These are all different ones. Um, public works is, you know, sewers and water lines, planning, neighborhood development. This is probably where the information is going to be under because this is how they plan for things. We go in here, we click on that one, and it comes up with a zoning code and map. And it has an interactive zoning map. So this one's really nice. Others, you might just be on a, a PDF. And so right. what we'll do is we will click on, on that and then we put in the address. So it's interesting, you still have to put in the, the whole city, even though it's the city's interactive address. So the property comes up and we can click on show more results. We're going to click on this. So we're East 3rd Street. Just to clarify a couple of things, number one, every single city website is going to be completely different, unfortunately, yes. from one another. <laughs> and number two, what we're looking at right now is uh, either a property that you are looking at purchasing or expanding uh, to make sure that is zoned or could be rezoned, correct? Well, we, we try not to rezone, but if we do, okay. then that's, that's a whole different process. Right now, we're just trying to determine what it is we're allowed to do. Okay. And so um, so when we look at this one, 535 East 3rd Street, it's bouncing back and forth between these two, which I'm not sure why. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna zone it, zoom in to see the streets, because then that way I'll know where we really are. What we're seeing here is that we're under the UBD district. Now, that's important for us because of the fact that UBD means nothing to me. I have no idea what that is. They've come up with this general term. It might be unified business district. It might be, you know, I don't, I don't have any idea, but that is what we're going to be looking for when we do it. So if you look under this category, there's a PD 108. So this is a plan development is my guess. And that was like the 108th plan development, HD2. So these are all different districts that are zoned here. And if we zoom back out, you can see the different zoning sections. Like here's another one, the yellow, they all have different colors to make it in interesting. I2 is in typically industrial, a second version of industrial. There's the CBD, which might be the commercial business district as opposed to the unified business district. So those are all the things that we look for in terms of the breakdown. Now, when we go back out of this, we know we're in the UBD district. Then what we'll do is we will look for the zoning code. And what we see here is that it's a PDF. 
And typically that's not so good because there's usually interactive ones, which are better. This makes it a little bit harder. So the first thing we always go down to, and we look for definitions because the definitions are really what drive this whole process. And so right off the bat, there, there's use district regulations and they're broken down between commercial districts, downtown districts, manufacturing, urban preservation overlay. Here's the industrial districts. So right off the bat, I'm not seeing UBD. So that would be something that we're gonna have to like look into. These are where we, we typically go to to determine whether or not we can do it. So for the sake of time, we're just gonna go to the commercial districts and we're gonna go to page 185 here. So when we look at page 185, it describes what is in the commercial district to accommodate retail and services that typically serve a limited neighborhood. And what they do is they go down and tell us all the different uses right here that are permitted in a commercial district. But the real kicker is, and this is where you and I were having that conversation, is what is allowable in all these things. The permitted uses are per this subsection, 150.300.2. That's where they describe the permitted uses. So if we go down here and we're scrolling through and like you see assembly hall or auditorium and then the SNC district, it is permitted. The P means permitted and then an A means allowable. So the allowable means that you still have to get permission. So it's permitted, but you still have to ask for their permission to allow it. The P is permitted and C is typically conditional. And so as we go down through these different things, we always look for what is our use that we're trying to find that we want and seeing if it's permitted in this, in this specific district. So if we're doing you know, self-storage, because that's what we're working on, I'm just gonna scroll through here to see if it is, but I'm not expecting it to be permitted because of the fact that we were permitted by right for our property. You know, It was not in this district. So here, outdoor storage of goods and general materials are an allowable use in the eclectic general commercial district, <laughs> which is, I've never heard of that one, or the suburban general commercial. So they are getting very, very specific in, in terms of their different districts. If this is the type of thing where I'm not really sure what outdoor storage or commercial goods are, then that's where I would go to section 300-002. So I'm going to scroll back up there. I know we're jumping around a lot, but this is what's really necessary to get into these different districts is to, to find out what is defined and what is not defined. And I'll tell you a little story about why this came all into play. So when we went through this process in the, in the city of Dayton, we saw that our property was zoned as a right for commercial and self-storage. We went down to government and then we went to the Department of Economic Development. And we said to the, and we saw that under economic development was community development, under community development was design review. And so we met with them and said, hey, this is what we're looking to do with this building. We understand it's as of right. So we went to the planning and development 
And we see that there's building services, community engagement, development, which is comprised of the economic development and the community development. And so we went to them and said, this is what we're looking to do. And they said, well, it's allowable, but we don't like the fact that you're doing this with the exterior elevation. The code says that you have to have 40% glass. We want to see this entire elevation glass, and we want to see at least two floors of glass on the side street. And if you do that, then we'll be happy. We said, great. Now, I didn't want to make the whole street elevation glass because with self-storage, yeah, there's no reason to see into our buildings. In fact, it actually makes our buildings less environmentally efficient because of the fact that we have all this heat gain mm-hmm. into a building that we're not trying to cool. So the less glass we have, the more economically friendly it is to keep it at one temperature. So we did it because we wanted to work with the city. And so we submitted permits, we got the permits. And then when it came time to getting another approval as part of our financing with the city, they were withholding it. And um, they said, well, why are you withholding this? And they said, you didn't come to us and ask us what we wanted. And we said, we did. We met with you. Here, here are the meeting notes. Here's what the response was. Here's how we implemented. Here's how we got the building permit. We're, we've done everything, all of the outlines that are here. And they said, you didn't come to us first. And we said, what is it you're looking for? And they're like, well, we don't want self-storage. And I said, well, if you don't want self-storage, why is it zoned for self-storage? And they said, well, we weren't expecting it to be self-storage. <laughs> and so um, I, and I tried talking about how self-storage really serves the community yeah. and you know the benefits of it, those sorts of things. And I said, if you didn't want it, again, why did you zone it? But more importantly, what do you want? And they said, we want retail. So it began this whole process of me negotiating with them in terms of what we were going to put on the first floor for an X period of time. And they wanted me to give up my zoning rights. And that was something I was not going to give up no matter what, because then they would have the ability of changing what my zoning yeah. was, and the, you know, going up to a vote and stuff like that. And I refused to give that up. And we compromised. They said they wanted a coffee shop. So I told them that I w- a coffee shop is around 1,500, 1,200 to 1,500 square feet, normally like a Starbucks. And I said, I, w- I will give them the prime corner and I will put it on the market for one year. And if we can't lease it up, it will revert back to self-storage. If not, it will be a coffee shop. And I'm going to rent fair. it. I'm going to rent it at the same price per square foot as my self-storage. Mm-hmm. I said, that's $15 a square foot. And they said, no, we think it should be $4. And I said, well, if it's in such high demand, why do I have to discount it $11 a square foot? <laughs> so I, I agreed to go down to $12 a square foot. And they said 18 months. And I said, fine. And so I listed it exactly for $12 a square foot for a year and a half. We didn't get one serious offer. And so we're reverting it back to self-storage. But well, <clears throat> if I wasn't familiar with the codes, if I wasn't familiar with the entitlements, then I would have been subject to what their whims and what they wanted versus what their law says. These codes are laws. They're they're passed, they're implemented, and that's where you get cited and all those things you don't follow. So if we go back to these codes here, so here's the urban business district. That's the one we fell into, which was allowable. 
<clears throat> so when you see these eclectic and mature and suburban, eclectic, these are all the different ways in which they've named them. But within each of these districts, you have your permitted uses, and then you have your supplemented permitted uses, and then you have your conditional uses, and then you have your accessory uses. But it also goes into how much of the land you can cover. It goes into what your setbacks are. Mm -hmm. um, in your case, you were asking me if it's a permanent structure versus a non-permanent structure. These are all the things that we look for when we're looking in these codes, and this is where it is. So here's like prohibited uses. If you're going to go through the process of having to rezone something, and you see that a use is prohibited, then it's pretty much sure you're not going to get it. And why waste your time doing it? Mm -hmm. So when we look at these zoning maps, we look for trends. We look for to see like if we're going to be an outlier in a neighborhood. If you have all these huge mansions that are on like one home per acre of land and someone wants to come in and put a six-story apartment building in there, pretty much all the neighbors are going to be upset and you're not going to get it. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, but if you're great. in the city and you want to put a single family home in the city and you have all, you know, all, all these high rises, you know, most people would say like, what are you crazy? What, why would you want to do that? Um, but it could also be equally as permitted because the city wants to maximize the tax revenue. All of these things are generated to make sure that the tax revenue is in alignment with their codes. That's the, that's the underlying principle of what the entitlements is, is to make sure that there's representation and getting your equal opportunity to pay your taxes. That's why when we go through this, when we begin our process of looking at a property, we always look at what are the zoning to make sure that we can do what we need to do. And if not, what is the process to change it? So this is for a property that you have already identified. And if people are looking for potentially off-market deals, they would just do the opposite. So they would just look at the code first, right? To identify what the code is for whatever you're looking at building. And then you would look at the city uh, map for the codes, correct? Right. So if I'm, if I'm driving down the street and I see a property that's you know, or sale by owner, or I just really like the property, then yeah, that would be the type of case that I would go in and put the address in there, look at the zoning map, see what the current zoning is, and then what is permitted to see if I can even do what I want to do with the property. So when I first started, um, when I was getting my master's degree, we were assigned a 50-acre site. And it was a formerly the Sarah Lee factory. So that's where they would bake their breads and their pound cakes and all those sorts of things. And the assignment was to come up with a plan for a thousand condominiums. And so, you know, the first thing we do is we're looking through the code. I think it was zone industrial because it was a bakery, but I mean, it was like a commercial bakery, right? It wasn't like a storefront retail baker. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, this is a big, massive plant like, you know, Ford or GM. It's on 50 acres. Since it was zone industrial, then we had to figure out what would be the process to convert it to residential. And so that's called a PUD, a planned urban development. Um, so when we were going back and looking at the, the zoning map and it was a PD, that's a planned development, there's different ways that they all call them that. But then the city outlines what is the procedures for changing the zoning, and that's called usually a planned urban development. And so that took a year. That was a, a year-long process of meeting with architectural review committees, zoning committees, plan commission committees, and then the yeah. village board. And if one of those says no to you, then you have to go back to the beginning and start all over. Again. 
So one property I did this with, it took 36 meetings. No, these meetings go- Is that in the, California? No, <laughs> this is in Winneka. In Winneka, Illinois, just north of um, oh, Illinois. Chicago. <laughs> and the property was at vacant. It was all these homes. The homes were from like the 1800s. And someone com- tried to assemble all these pieces of property. And the neighbors started revolting because one neighbor was going to sell the property to them. And then at, when they went to go sign the contract, one extra $100,000, $150,000. And the developer said, no, nah, we don't need you. So then the neighbor started this revolt against the developers because they weren't included. And so we were the third developer into the property. The other two went bankrupt on it. And then we came in and we were able to convert. The fastest we've ever done it is two months. And that's the best case scenario is we, we were looking at this building and it was zoned for um, self-storage. It was, a, it was a warehouse. It was an office building. It was combined. We were going to do a Class A facility. But the requirements for self-storage was you had to have someone live there. You had to have a fence. And we said to them, you know, this doesn't really apply. How do we work around this? And the municipality said, we're small. You know, we don't really know much about this. Why don't you just write the code and we'll adopt <laughs> And so... I, you know, I went to architecture <laughs> okay. school. I didn't go to city planning <laughs> school, right? So I've, I've never written zoning codes. And so we went in and um, we actually looked at the county zoning and modeled it after the counties and used that as a way to say, hey, look, if the county adopts this, then you shouldn't have any problem adopting it as well. And they like that too. So we were looking just beyond our own zoning. We were trying to come up with other uses in case you know we want to change the parcel as well so that we'd have a lot of flexibility. That was the easiest. Two months and the longest was a year. Congrats on, on getting that one that took two people going bankrupt. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> it was a big challenge. Does so. your company does entitlement work for other people and other projects and build outs or just for yourself? We have. We, we've done it for other people as well. We've done it for a few churches as well. The funniest one was we had to entitle a church back into a church. And so, well, it originally was a church, and then it became a, a Veterans of Foreign Wars and a dance studio, and then a guy was going to convert it into a winery. And then he couldn't get his liquor license, and so he sold it to the church I was working with. And so we had to rezone it back into a church. Wow. And so that was one of the most fun ones we did. We've had to rezone two churches, and um, we've done single-family homes, some parcels that were being done. And we've done townhomes, multifamily, industrial, and uh, self-storage. So those are all the oh. different uses that we've rezoned. Fantastic. I may need your help. It was really funny. I have a piece of land and it is not zoned for self-storage. It's zoned for retail or multifamily. And um, it's not in a zone where retail would be a good spot. And I literally had to ask the city at least five different questions in order for them to say, oh, well, you know, if you do a component of office, then we can possibly approve the self-storage side. So this was never volunteered in the first place, but it's worth saying here that you have to dig and dig and ask and ask more questions until you really get to the bottom of it, of what could really possibly be zoned or rezoned for. Yeah, if, you, if you're going in and trying to rezone something, it's always good to find out what they want. When we were rezoning the church back into the church, this is on a small piece of property. 
the original church got built, there was like farms around it. And then, you know, they sold it all off. And then you had these single family homes right, right next to it. So they had literally no on-site parking. One of the requirements was that you had to have, I think like one parking space for every five or 10 seats of an assembly. All zoning comes down to parking. You know, if it's multifamily, how many parking spaces per apartment? If it's retail, then it's like how many parking spaces per Thousand square footage of customer? Yeah. That's the great thing about self-storage. We don't need a whole lot of parking. You know, we just need like four spots. The church needed 175 parking spaces. So across the street was a municipal parking lot. And the city said, well, if we're going to give this to you. We want something in return. We want that repaid. We want a new parking lot. And um, I said, well, can we adjourn for a little bit and let me go talk to my client and then we'll come back and we'll discuss this with you. I said, sure. So we walk outside and the congregants were like all upset. They're like, but they're just, they're just trying to extract a parking space, you know, a parking lot. And I said, you're asking them for something. What are you going to be willing to give them in return for that? Because you don't have anything to give them. You need this. And they said, Okay, well, that makes sense. I said, you know, it's going to cost about $80,000 to redo this parking lot. And the pastor said, we'll put it in the budget. Let's, let's get it done. We need this. We need this building. And, um, and so that, that was the exchange. That was, you know, the give and take in terms of if you're asking for something, be willing to give something up. Absolutely. And um, I also want to remind our listeners that Scott is a super incredibly busy person and the vast majority of our guests never ask to be on the podcast. And I really appreciate you making the time. Not only you helped me first <laughs> with my own questions, but you you were so kind to, to make time for this. I really appreciate that. How can our listeners get in touch with you? I enjoy our time. So it's always a pleasure helping you out. Um, and working with you and um, seeing what you're working on. So thank you for including us in that. If people want to reach out to us and have questions about it, I'm more than happy to, if they mention the podcast, that way then we know that they've listened to this, right? Then you can email us info, I-N-F-O at coda, C-O-D-A-M-G.com. That's info at coda, M-G.com. If you have a question, you mention this podcast, then we can, um, Go over a piece of property with you, show you how, where to look to get it entitled if that's what you're looking to do or what the uses are, um, how to maximize it, whatever it may be. Because a lot of times it could also be, how do I expand the property in order to maximize the use? And that's, that's another big component of the zoning is right. making sure that you can, you know, utilize the property as efficiently as possible. Scott, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter and future syndications at monicarlorei.com on top of the page. And if you also haven't already <laughs> written us a review on the podcast app, that would be greatly appreciated. And I will see you next time.